halls of One Half Radio Plaza at Life Media Studios, Sidetracked with Armstead and Poosh. Brought to you by the Second Baptist Bar and Grill, your exorcism specialist. And we're back for another exciting episode of Sidetracked. My name's Armstead, and... Oh, wait, that's right. He's not here today. Posh has called in sick. Can you believe that? And guess who stepped in to take his spot? Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Yeah, that's about it. He's got he's got the flu. He's a little under the weather, so he's got his blankie, and he's sucking his thumb with his teddy bear. And, but in this week, Mr. Carl Cross stepping up from the Duramac team and uh, well, main promoter for the Burville three-day pull, uh, event. Yeah, I'd like to talk about that a little bit tonight, but uh, we'll oh. save that for later on. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely have time to get into that. And we're making a lot of changes this week. Normally, we have pizzas or uh, pre-show uh, meal. Well, this year, we did, today, we did uh, bar burgers. and That was one of the best burgers I've had in a long time. I liked it a lot. There we go. And you're not going to hear as many Papa Tops this week. No, we're going rum and coke. So... Uh, can we get the ice jingling around here? Yeah, we can jiggle the ice by the mic, you know. There we go. We'll crack a few, too. Oh, you yeah. drank a lot. That we do. So this is going to start off our first show featuring the Hookers and Blow segment. Oh, I'm so excited. Carl, you get to start right off with it. And this no, is no, going to no. be unlike any, any other Hookers and Blow segment you'll hear about. We're going to get a little off track with it and not even cover a spark plug or compression ignition engine. No, there's no ignition going on. We're going green. Oh, yeah, we are. Oh, yeah, we are. Electric pullers, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Get right to the news. What do we got in the news? Well, as far as upcoming pulls, there really isn't much to talk about. I do have to say I apologize to the antique guys. We did forget to mention Sigourney last week. Uh, great pull out there in Iowa. Sounds like they had a great turnout. I believe I heard stupid numbers like a thousand hooks in three days. So, That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's a cool pull. It's kind of a must hit if you're on the antique circuit. Then we also had uh, the Keystone Nationals going on. Yeah, I think that's something uh, some people might have heard about. Yeah, definitely a good time. I know we know some people who went out there, and uh, I know. Uh, Pullers that we're familiar with, uh, the Wright family from mm-hmm. southwestern Ontario. Yeah, they made the trip Bill down. and uh, Margaret Ann made the trip down there with the tractor. Um, I believe he did pretty well, too. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to look at the results on any of this stuff. Just everybody's been covering it. All the other shows out there. I know Ray Taluki with his new partner, Adam Drott, uh, really recapped it well on Tuesday in the... Uh, New full pull with uh, Adam Drott as a permanent host on there. But I don't want to talk about the results, who finished first and that. Let's talk about what everybody got to see, thanks to all the great media coverage. Also, side tr- or not sidetracked, but pulling Radio Network TV, mm-hmm. uh, getting its debut down there. So hopefully you got a chance to see some of the live stream video we had going on there. Great job, Ray, for that. But what we saw down there was just pure carnage. I think that's what most people like to see. Oh, my God. Talk about some heartbreaking situations. There's a John Deere who people got to be crying over that 619 block. Uh, 
That was all over the track by the end of the night. Oh my god, that the you know we'll talk about the you know two tractors stand out for certain the IH and the John Deere. Mm-hmm. How much does that hurt? You're coming out for not even a points pull, a just just for fun pull to get a couple passes on the vehicle, see how it's running, preparing for your point season. Just a test and tune, and, and now your season's gone. And you you dynamite eighty to one hundred fifty thousand dollar motor, depending how crazy you're going to get with it, and you're done. Right, the season's over. If if they catch the second half of the season, I think they'd be doing pretty good. You know, it, and it's not just the money. You, what people don't realize, yeah, it costs a lot of money to do these motors and be at that level of uh, pulling. But it's the time. It's it's getting all of those pieces together. Exactly. That is the um, biggest problem. Is you're six to nine months behind. You're buying a brand. You're buying another block. Mm-hmm. You're getting a new crank, all new billet rods, custom pistons. You know, the machine time on the block and the head is just going to be astronomical. There's not too many places on the planet that have those kind of parts just sitting around. No, I know you've went through this with mm-hmm. your uh, Duramac truck and Armada just completely shitting the driveline out. <laughs> and that was That's it for you. Actually, I carry that badge with pride. You know what? That was probably <laughs> one of the most impressive pulls I've ever seen. A four-wheel drive pulling the left front tire up. All the way down the track. The entire time. It just kept tripoding bounce that front tire off i can't believe i made it that far i can't believe you never lifted no, no, I ain't no <laughs> pussy. It, but you you have to know firsthand just you know how far that puts you behind yeah i mean i mean every i think a lot of people listening to this are are pullers at heart and uh most of them probably have some seat time but uh, you know, a lot of people are, are farm tractors and stuff like that, and they don't get a lot of breakage. When, you, when you're getting in uh, high-performance stuff and, and you break parts, you're right. I mean, it's not always stuff sitting around. And even if you do, you know, there's more time than just bolt this off and bolt it back on. You know, you got to find parts. You're going to be down a little while. If you're lucky, you've got what you need laying around. Yeah, there's guys out there. I mean, there's pro stock teams, super stock teams, even super farm teams. Oh, they've got a whole extra tractor in the freaking trailer. A whole extra tractor. At least they have a short block sitting there that they're at least able to bolt bolt what salvageable components Mm -hmm. are. But let's look at the IHF. Beautiful 1256. Beautiful. And it's gone. There is nothing left Mm -hmm. really usable that rear tires, roll cage, rear end. That's it. Even if they had a motor to throw in the thing, you got sheet metal, you've got just all kinds of stuff up there. I mean, that thing grenaded. You know, and people go, well, why do you need the safety equipment? That's why. That's why. That's why everybody goes, why are there the ladder bars, actually tie bars, but ladder bars running from the front of the tractor to the back of the tractor? It's for situations like that where that clutch or motor, and it wasn't even the clutch in this case. The clutch stayed together. We've seen pictures of it outside the tractor. Just the motor just snapped, and the sheer force hitting that bell housing just it. sheared it in half. There was nothing integrally left of that tractor. No. Are them tie bars. I know we were seeing pictures and video of them welding that tractor back together just to get out of the trailer <laughs> to take it home. Yeah, it's got to be in one piece to get on the trailer. Oh, wow. <laughs> You can get it on there in two pieces, but that's a lot of work. It's not pretty. Mm-hmm. And you got to feel for the guys. You know, I mean, it's 
that's a tractor. You will that tractor will never be on the track ever again, most likely. Wow, it will, but it, it'll be an entirely new iteration of itself. Yeah, it's there's it's not going to be what it was. Nope. Like I said, the only thing it'll be left might be the rear tires and yeah. the rear end. I mean, you're looking at doing everything from that rear end forward, brand new. Because you know you took out input shafts on the transmission on your way through. Mm-hmm. Possibly took out bearings or split the transmission casing just from the sheer force of it. I mean, for a motor to completely eject itself out of two tractors down there. Yeah, is I mean, that's, that's usually something we're lucky to see in a year, let alone two in the same day. That's a good pull. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And another thing to point out there, and we talked about the safety equipment. And this is something most people, the average fan does not get to see is the fact that all them diesel trucks have i know you guys have it on your dad and your uncle's tractor double cross you have a steel cable going around the block and over the head to contain that in the situation that motor ever does that exact scenario that thing lets go of its motor mounts everything holding it in place it's at least got something to to keep that hanging you have a half inch cable there holding that thing in place, and that John Deere was the perfect example. The only thing that kept that thing inside was that, that chassis was that cable. Otherwise, he'd have run it over. Oh, yeah, he would have <laughs> run it over. You would have had parts flying. That that head could have ended up three rows in oh, the right. crowd. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're looking at engines that, yes, they're decompressed, but you're still putting what 120 psi a boost to oh yeah eh, you, i mean you talk about decompressing a motor but then you're gonna put all that boost and all that fuel right back in it it's still a, that's still a grenade going down the track and i think people have gotten very comfortable and i heard it said with the pro stock class is adam Drott says this he has mad uh pulling picks another great guy involved pulling radio network is he didn't actually get a picture of it because he goes with pro stocks he goes i've gotten so used to them they're so predictable he goes i don't grab my camera up and start holding it to take a picture till they're past 100 foot because they're that predictable right this thing grenaded at 75 feet yeah people are starting to take for granted the horsepower marks they're at Mm -hmm. so i i mean yeah it's them first them first hooks of the year that's that's where you got to be ready because people are going to be coming out with a new setup from last year, maybe some new parts on that motor, maybe a couple more pounds of boost, and that's when things are going to let go. Yeah, absolutely. You, you bring up a great point there is maybe it wasn't a just structural failure on the tractor. Well, it was, but I mean, was it they were pushing that envelope that much further than the program they were running the prior yeah. year on that motor, trying to get them extra six to ten inches mm-hmm. on a hook you know it all matters so oh every, every inch matters right so i mean that's that's the that's the way it goes you run a season and you got your few months of downtime and you you try to squeeze every little pony you can get in in your downtime so you come out first hook of the year or something and that's usually when things pop so that's uh it's a fine line to walk when you're you're tuning up trying to get all that power but you don't want to come out and blow it up right in the hole and let's face it you know when we're talking about these tractors I mean, we talk everything from antiques. We're going to be talking garden tractors here today. We talk everything up to the unlimiteds. Is you people seem to forget, especially in the component chassis era. We all know how much I love component <laughs> tractors. Oh yeah, <laughs> but you're still taking a block that was designed for 150, 200, maybe 250 yeah, horse right. from the factory and run a field all day. Where you got pro stocks that are running between twenty five hundred and three thousand horse now on a single charger, mm-hmm. you effectively 
gone 10 times bigger than that engine was ever designed to be. Yeah, well, thank Horsepower God. Wise. Thank God tractors are built to last, right? I mean, there's reasons why they're hunks of cast iron. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This isn't your little small block Chevy, you know, no. in your daddy's old Chevelle. Right. This is, you know, this is well beyond that. Oh, <laughs> the time, the time and the money. I mean, every, every engine in a tractor pulling tractor is, is it's a work of art. It and is. No two are the same. They're all a little different. Everything's got a personal touch by whoever built it. You know, I go little story popped my head now that you said that is first time I ever got my name in the local paper. They were covering one of the harvest day polls. God, I was probably eight years old. And there were some people trying to explain a sled, and I was the polling expert, as you know, just in my little eight year old. I know polling, and she didn't understand how the sled works, so I explained that to her. So she goes, well, tell me about it. And one of the things I said is I go, you look under the hood of these tractors. And this is an antique tractor, Paul. Mm-hmm. And I go, it's just, wow. You know, and that's the best way to describe it is these motors, they are so unbelievably modified. And like you said, it's such a work of art. To get them extra cubic inches where you can, yep. whether you're shaving the block on the inside for the rods to clear, or you're cutting the webbing out between cylinders and cementing cementing sleeves in, so that way it'll work. Every engine has its own niche to optimize for each class. It's even it's even beyond the internals. I mean, you take take the sheet metal off a tractor, and you, and you just get down to the bare bones of that engine. Every tractor, you're going to notice where, whether it's the owner or or whoever is building the parts he needs just the personal touches in this little tiny little bracket that just holds uh just holds one of your boost tubes on you know and, and not, none of it's mass produced everything is individual with every track oh absolutely i mean i'm sure you can rattle off a list of stuff oh, yeah. done to your truck or done oh, yeah. to double cross or i've got they, a few of those parts <laughs> i made yeah you know like you say you can't just go to o'reilly's nope or open up a summit catalog or jags catalog and go Oh, them traction bars work great for me. Yeah. Or you know what? Here's a transmission that'll hold a thousand horse. Nope. This ain't a bolt on sport. Can't, we can't do that. Mm-mm. There is an open catalog going, oh, I'll get that crate motor with that <laughs> set of Keith Black Pistons with a set of ARP studs with you know the Holly six fifty carb or eight fifty carb. Or why not? Let's just order this e- we and eight seventy one and bolt that on. Y- you can't do that. Nope. So that's what I guess really kills me with the breakage that went on is these guys are so far behind their programs now. And I wish them the best of luck, and I hope they can make it back out that this isn't a career-ending devastation because there's some teams that are on that brink where, you know. They They make it or break your season, right? They make it or break it, you know. And when you come out and break it right away, eh, it pretty much says it's it's break it. Yep. I mean, the best thing, if you're looking to get into the sport, is look at a class and go, can I afford to build it twice? Yeah. No, that's. I wish I had known that rule of thumb about four years ago. <laughs> yeah. It, it adds up quick. So that's enough on Keystone and Breakage. We got more stuff to cover. Obituaries. We always cover that. Um, as always, if somebody that you know in the sport um, has passed away recently that you would like us to highlight, 
make sure you get a hold of us. We are more than happy to cover that. You know, we are a big pulling family. You know, I know I've gotten to meet a lot of people. I know you have, Carl. Oh, yeah. And it, it's a big family. I know you and I both felt the loss of Frank Matko. Oh, very much. Very, very much. much. Um, actually, I posted some videos on the Sidetrack Facebook page here, um, I believe yesterday, of Frank Matko on the freight line, freight train going down the track in Armada. But if somebody like that who's touched you or you believe has been a great influence has passed, get a hold of us at AP at SidetrackPulling.com. That's our email. Or go on our Facebook at Sidetrack or Sidetrack with Armstead and Posh and just shoot us a message. Tell us a little bit about the story. We're more than happy to highlight somebody for you. We want to extend that because we are a family. You listeners, you are part of our family, and we want to make sure we give everybody their due credit. But, I do believe I do believe truck and tractor pulling is is a more unique sport in in the family feel of it. It's it's not you know like a like a NASCAR race where everybody's a competitor. When you go to a tractor pull, you've got 5, 10, 15 guys you're competing against and then there's still another 100 people there who are pulling in a completely different class, right? They're they're not yep. your competitor. So Truck and tractor pulling is one of the most unique family dynamics I've ever seen. And the thing is, is every one of us, we interact and uh, we, they, uh, sound engineers playing games again today. <laughs> <laughs> I lost one side of my headphones here, but. Um, nah, one ear is all you need. <laughs> but uh, you're right. You know, even if you are in a different class, everybody still interacts, so. Like I said, fortunately, no obituaries here this week, but let's get us something a little more fun, something a little happier. Birthdays in, coming up in polling, ones I got on my Facebook. First one, we're going to go overseas, a tractor you grew nope. up watching, um, Mr. Mark Sudell. Okay. Out, uh, he, I believe he's in Lancaster, or he's over mm-hmm. in England, the Obani <laughs> tractor I know we grew up watching mm-hmm. this side of the border or this side of the pond, now over there running. So Mark turning 31. Tony Wheatley, an antique puller, I believe, out of the Maryland area. He's turning 49. Uh, Austin Boyer of the Boyer Pulling Team, debuting their brand-new pulling truck uh, this past weekend in Keystone. I believe it's Lawless is the name of the new one. Really cool-looking roadster-style truck, uh, C-Cab. Um, let's see here. Yep, Lawless is the new one. Um, really cool Ford C cab. I love the looks of that. We get. To I see love one. that arched rooftop. We get to see one over in Canada in Three mm-hmm. Boys Toy. Oh yeah. Um, but happy birthday to him, turning twenty one. Don't get too drunk and hung over. Save not that, that for Armada. Not well, that that would ever happen. They're not coming to Armada. No, they'll they'll be in Bowling Green. And that'll be it for this week. So happy birthday, everybody out there. And if you've got a birthday you want to highlight, another reason to get a hold of us, AP at SidetrackPulling.com or Sidetrack with Armstead and Posh on Facebook. Like, share us. We're always putting cool videos up, pictures galore, funny memes, anything and everything, you know. I'm going to have to get a separate Facebook account. Oh. oh, you guys are taking it over. <laughs> I kind of like it too. But I'm to get a new Facebook just for my friends and family. 
You know, I, I'm going to have to do that, too. Now you're going to be famous now. The girls will just be flocking to uh, you. Uh, I don't know how my girlfriend feel about that one. I don't know. I mean, it, girls, if you're interested in an Amish guy, we got one right here for you. Hey, I'm only like quarter Amish right now, all right? <laughs> yeah, you, you're, you're a little scruffy there for the Amish look. But with that, we're going to take a quick break here. This is Sidetracked on Pulling Radio Network. Hey fans, Jeremy Krieger here to talk to you about truck and tractor pulling from a fan's point of view. One of the foremost publications on Facebook that's all about pulling 24-7. Truck and tractor pulling from a fan's point of view. Brought to you by Jamie Darbro, one of the biggest pulling fans on the planet. Check out his page at www.facebook.com forward slash truck tractor pulling from a fan's point of view. You'll be glad you did. And tell him Jeremy Krieger sent you. All right. Three, two. And we're back with Sidetracked with Armstead and Posh. Armstead and Cross. Armstead and Cross today. Much better show. Much, much I agree. Better show. I agree. Alphabetically, it fits. Yeah. We're, we started with uh, Posh, then we went to Drob. Now we're on Cross, so we're going to have to get some other uh, names in here a little closer, maybe. But... Uh, we're starting our new segment, and glad Carl can be here for it. I'm so excited. And long anticipated, long talked about. I know other shows have been discussing it. Let me do it. Let me do it. Do it. Oh, we're going into hookers and blow. That's right. Hookers and blow. Pullers in their aspiration systems. Now, tonight, we are going to be uh, getting into something that... Well, we're kind of starting hookers and blow out here with uh, with an odd setup since there is no blow here. There's no blow. There's no spark. There's no bang. There's no boom. I mean, this... At least we hope there isn't. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I bet you we could get some pretty good sparks going. <laughs> yeah, probably. Sidetracked is going green tonight. This is probably the most environmentally friendly I've ever been. <laughs> We're going to talk about electric pullers. And most of you guys are going, what in the world are you talking about? And I'll be honest, I thought that the first time I got to see them. And that was about ah, five, six years ago now. And you know what? Probably one of the coolest parts of the sport that isn't talked about. And I'm really glad we've started this segment or able to highlight some areas in the pulling world that really aren't getting the attention and the main one is electric pullers they are neat they are fascinating and because i'm nowhere near an expert we're gonna bring in a guy mr darren gilbert he's online with us here tonight and uh he's gonna explain to us the ins and outs and all the technical uh hoopla that goes along with electric puller how you doing tonight darren hey great andrew you too, you too carl um yeah electric pulling is my thing um, you know, uh, haven't always been a puller, but for a long time been into the electric world, uh, dabbled in college, uh, messed around with hybrid electric cars. Um, somebody came along and says, Hey, we're in this competition. Let's, uh, make a Dodge Intrepid electric and gas. And we're like, well, all right, we'll, we'll take a crack at it and put a thousand cc Suzuki motor in the back and alternator and motor and batteries and, and we didn't know what we were doing but you know you made it work year, right boom, we had a we had a dodge that ran on gas and electric and uh well heck that wasn't that hard so fast forward a year or two later and man i think i'm gonna build my own stuff so started messing around with motorcycles and got something that would just go up and down the road um and uh you know that's how i, I got into it, the motorcycle world um 
fast forward again, uh, searching out on the World Wide Web what other people are doing in the electric world. You know, I'm not a green guy. You guys said green. Uh, man, it makes it sound like wusses. I just <laughs> I do it for performance, man. I, I do it because it's cool. And uh, you know, along comes uh, this group. It's uh, National Electric Drag Racing Association. And these guys have been going strong for about 20 years. So I looked what these guys were doing and said, man, I, I could do this. I could do, a, I could do a motorcycle. Didn't have a big garage, didn't have a lot of space or money to spend. So, hey, I'm going to build a drag bike. So I dabbled with that for quite a few years. Oh, shoot, probably about 2000 to, to 2009. I was, I was an electric motorcycle guy. And I held a record for a while and had different setups. And through the years, I, man, I met people from all over. Uh, went to races in Maryland and Florida. And, man, I really got to meet some of the greats in this whole sport. Um, electric racing is pretty big. Um, you know, all kinds of motorsports. Uh, are happening with electric, and I don't know if people know it. Um, uh, hydro bull racing, uh, electrothons, drag racing. Uh, they race up Pikes Peak with electric. Uh, land speed racing electric. Wow. Uh, oddly enough, it seems like uh, tractor pulling is the last one to catch on and go electric. Yeah, that's um, one. I know you, we, you and I were talking, and I know I brought up... Uh, for those of you uh, not from Michigan, uh, community college on the west side of the state, Muskegon uh, Community College, really big in the electric racing front, and I never knew anything about it till what was it, about two years ago you started talking about them going for a record with, I guess you'd yeah. call like a top fuel uh, electric drag racer? Yeah, I mean, they uh, built this dragster from scratch. Um, it's a whole alternative motorsports. So they're not just electric, but they do it all. They got an ethanol Mustang. They got a biodiesel oh, wow. Ranger, and then of course the next logical step was for them to step into a, a full electric dragster. And it, these kids got a heck of a program. They're building a, a chassis from scratch, um, loaded up with batteries, and uh, went racing. They didn't have a lot of idea what they were doing. And uh, man, when I showed up, they were all excited. It's like, man, I, I guess I didn't realize that was such a, a wealth of knowledge, but they were eager to see what I had to offer too. <laughs> you know, I found that in a lot of these high-end sports, sometimes uh, the people who come in with with just that small bit of background knowledge are sometimes the best people because they they don't follow the the norm. You know, they they don't understand the beaten path how everybody went from startup to where they are now, and they kind of go their own way. And a lot of times. Those are the guys who come up with new solutions and, and new technologies, and they end up setting the new norm. And, it, you know, it takes a while to, to absorb all that knowledge. Uh, and the cool thing about electric is it's not just about throwing money at something and, hey, look what I did. No, you've got to figure it out. You've got to learn it. You've got to grow it. Uh, more of the challenge. Kind of a lot like pullers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, in electrics, whether it's uh, drag racing, tractor pulling, people can't say, uh, hey, that won't work because nobody's done it before. You're in all uncharted territories. Exactly. Uh, and I'm the willing sky's to, the limit. I'm willing to bet 99.8% of the listeners here have never seen an electric puller. I have uh, never seen it live. I've never seen it in person, only in video. And... It, the, the fascinating part is people go, well, why electric? And we'll get why into not? the pulling bit here in a minute. 
you know, they're efficient. They're very efficient, and and from what I understand, I, I'm I'm by no means an electrical engineer <laughs> here, but uh, I mean for, from what I've seen in what they're doing with hybrid electric cars and and some of the high performance electric cars they're doing is unlike a traditional combustion engine where you've got you know 700 horsepower at this RPM range. If you've got an electric motor, you've got that that much horsepower on demand. So you you hit the hit the switch and you've got that much power. It's it's oh, it's, it's on demand power, power. Power band is humongous. Um, you never you never see me whining. Oh, I picked the wrong gear. I don't have gears. I don't need gears. I got power that goes forever. <laughs> yeah, you do. I, I love that. I didn't pick the wrong take, gears. Take, I don't need no stinking gears. Ass, you know, we have eliminated you half of them. Throw that transmission out the window. Transmission, yes. Uh, I broke the transmission. Eh, I don't need it. <laughs> to to so, step up, you know. So let's start diving right into the nuts and bolts here. What is between your electric motor and your back tires? Oh, uh, well, it's evolved. How did it start out? How let's start with well, that. Well, let's start here. How did you go from an electric drag bike into pulling? Uh, you know, I'm a fan of all motorsports. I always knew pulling. You know, I'd go to a, a TTPA pull usually once a year, see what's going on. Um, oddly enough, I was getting a little bit bored with the drag racing. I said, man, I, I don't know. I need to do something else. And I... Got on the forum, Michigan Electric Auto Association forum, and uh, this guy says, hey, uh, it was like, uh, introduce yourself. And this guy says, hey, I'm a tractor puller, and I got these tractors, and man, I want to do something different. I think I want to do electric. And I'm like, hey, hey, hey you're on to something, bud. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah. So we started talking and talking. He says, yeah, I'm going to build this tractor. I said, well, all right, I'll help you. And then after you know, a month goes by. It's like, well, hell, I don't want to help. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dive into this too. This is what I'm doing. This is the future. So I mean, the great thing about electric is, you know, I took parts off a motorcycle, stuck them on a tractor. It's almost as simple as that. So hey, I didn't that, know come on, you're work, making it but... sound too easy now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is. It really is. I mean, guys say, wow, you got a motors. How do you hook that stuff up? And oh. I got a motor. I got one spinning part. I got some batteries. You hook them together, and man, you're pulling. Yeah, um, I, your uh, your your de- your description there makes me pretty jealous because I've got <laughs> about a couple thousand moving parts, and a lot of them seem to break. Yeah, I got uh, one big spinning part. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Not a lot. Not a lot of uh, mass to spin up. Um, nothing. I don't have oil flinging around. I don't have anything overheating. Um, you know, electric, uh, electric's awesome when you talk about a duty cycle and you might have a 10 horsepower motor, but if you're only going to push it for 15 seconds, yeah, I'm pushing a hundred horse, you know, you can, you can go crazy. All right. I I don't think, honestly, uh, I'm going to tell you, I don't think a lot of people listening to this show are going to understand, uh, duty cycles and stuff like that. You know what? Probably (laughs) most of them will, because let's talk, face it. Well, we're, we're talking all welders too, right? And we all weld, so yeah. you understand the duty okay. cycle on a welder. You're so. probably right then. All right. <laughs> yeah, you can push that damn hard for for a short while. Um, you know, gas engine gas engines made to go down the highway for eight hours at a time. And uh, you know, electric, you know, it's going to put out a lot less power if you uh, 
you know, go all day, but man, for that short duration, man, you could give her hell. Um, you know, it's torque and it's, uh, you know. It is quite impressive well. power. The, the, the videos I've seen, I mean, they are, they are just on it right, right out of the hole. I mean, there's power right there on demand. I mean, uh, to break it down into real simple terms, I mean, you guys have internal combustion engines, and they all got a starter. So, I mean, you think about that starter, and you got a cold morning, and your battery's low, and that engine's going to go around so slowly, and you'll barely see it turn, but it's got torque. And it might go slow, but it's going to make the torque, and it's going to go faster and faster and faster. And it's just a natural uh, science in a Series 1 motor that, hey, if you put a load on it, it's going to turn it. It might turn it slow, but it's going to make the torque. And then as that thing starts spinning faster and faster, it's going to spin crazy fast if you got no torque on it. So uh, you've almost got a, a natural transmission. If you need to lay down the torque, it makes the torque. And if you've got a loose track and you need the speed, it makes the speed. So, uh, you know, best of both worlds. No, you don't pick the wrong gear ever. It's always where it needs to be. Yeah, that is pretty... Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> He's selling me on these right yeah. now. Right? <laughs> you, think we can, uh, you think we can get one of these under the hood of my truck? Yeah, maybe it's uh, time to go hybrid, you know? Yeah, uh, the guy once know. told me, hey, you're going to look in uh, Summit Racing one day and find a 200-horse bolt-on hybrid kit. Yeah. Give it a couple of years. I mean, everything, everything seems to be going that way, right? So, yep. can, can you? Uh, what I guess? Future. What are you willing to tell us about your current setup? I, um, yeah, obviously, we don't expect you to. He's got, he's got two here, guys. Okay, so. yeah, we don't I, expect I, I, you to give away all of your secrets and tips here. I was and, gonna say, I apologize. I don't know much about your rigs, but uh, I'd love to know a little more. Well, let's start off with the one that I, I'm, the first one I saw. Which would be the Garden Tractor, the Cub Cadet chassis. Garden Tractor? Yeah. yeah. Garden Tractor is uh, a little more traditional. At least, I mean, I get now you guys talk farm tractors. Uh, in Garden Tractor pulling, uh, this one looks like a pretty traditional-looking beast. Um, and I started out simple, stuck a motor where the gas engine is supposed to go, lose the clutch because, hey, you don't need a clutch. Um, you hit the gas and go. You don't have to worry about slipping the clutch you don't have to worry about stalling the motor out because you're you know you're heavy on the clutch i mean boom so that's problem number one gone we don't do a clutch you just throttle and go um but over the years that evolved um over torque blew up the cub transmission so <laughs> hey that just leads to bigger and better things um I had an idea in the back of my mind, always going, and when I blew up the first transmission, I thought, aha, this is it. So the stock cup transmission was great, but like we said, moving parts. I don't need a three-speed. I, I ran third gear for three years. What do I need a three-speed for? Do I need reverse? Nah, who needs reverse? So oh, Yeah, what's the tractor weigh? A couple hundred pounds? Uh, well, it, we run in a you know, different classes, 1,300-pound class. That's so, still so pushable load, by hand, you're right? you this garden tractor up. Um, it's what all the guys run. You might have a 0 to 13 horse class. You might have a 14 to 20 horse class. Stock alters on up, but uh, 13, 14, uh, 12, 1,300 pounds. So uh, 
now that the uh, stock transmission's gone, I had the bright idea, I'm going to take the very first hydro transmission Cub Cadet made. So hydro transmission, you know, thinking 80s, 90s. Now this is like a 1969 hydrostat. This is when they, you know, when they still built stuff to last. Heavy duty so, made to last. Bam. It's a hydro. All it really is is a gear reduction and a diff. So, bam, I've eliminated three gears. I've eliminated reverse. I've eliminated half the oil. I've eliminated 50 pounds. And man, I, I stepped to the, to the next level. I'm overdriven by about 22%. That was another one of my downfalls. So, now... I've got the motor where you can't even see it. I got the motor tucked between the frame rails, and uh, all you see is batteries hanging underneath, batteries under the hood, all the all the little magic, the black magic, the controller, all that stuff, all the nasty wires and stuff. Well, that's tucked away under the hood. That's what I was going to say. Really I'm lo- looking at a picture right now uh, on Facebook of the garden tractor, which when I first saw it was all black, and there was literally a motor hooked up to the drive shaft and. I, I haven't been able to ca- keep up with you, just busy, but both of us being busy. But, yeah, this thing's gone through an evolution, no doubt there. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you know, another thing, you break something. Well, time to upgrade. 56-inch wheelbase is the limit. All right. No sense not stepping up to 56 inches. You know, so, you know I've pushed it quite a ways. Um, not quite catching uh, all the tractors in our club uh, last year. My ten-year-old is driving it now. He's uh, he's learning. He's learning good. He probably drives as well as I do. I still got a lot to learn. And he's beating all the stock tractors. He's beating two-cylinder diesel tractors. The ones we haven't caught yet is the alcohol tractors, but uh, that'll happen. Um, right now, uh, you're gonna think it's a lot. I'm running 96 volts. <laughs> good lord, you know, 96 volts. Yeah, just, 24 I volt blows my mind. I get enough of that. 96 volts is where we're at. Uh, 192 is actually what the tractor's set up for. Um, I've been in the process about two years of building another uh, high-voltage controller. So once I finally get my act together and finish that, it will be, of course, double the voltage. Boom, double the speed. So uh, watch out. <laughs> so are, are you complete in-house production? Uh, you know, I started out with a controller I bought you know, in a couple hundred dollar range. So beyond that, it's like, hmm, I'm going to, I'm going to take this controller from a kit. I'm going to take some more eBay parts. I'm going to take their design and, you know, maybe triple the horsepower. So yeah, there is off the shelf parts for all this stuff, but on a budget, you know, you can get creative, build your own. Well, I mean, there, there's always uh stuff. There's always off-the-shelf parts for what's been done before, but anytime you start pushing the envelope and, and you're a pioneer, you're going to be making your own way. And and it sounds like you are that pioneer guy. I'm putting it all together in a certain fashion. I mean, all these parts, you know, drag races and stuff I've been using for years. Um, this is a lead-acid tractor. Um, when I started out, I'm thinking, hey, lead, lead's great. Lead was holding me back in motorcycle uh, world. I slap, uh, you know, 300 pounds of lead in a tractor. Hey, I'm doing something good. I got plenty of weight to add. Well, it's not exactly the case. You <laughs> still have a horsepower limitation with lead, but but definitely, you know, not the hit you're getting when you're, you know, trying to sh- 
Chief Pound so that way he can go faster, yeah. Well, that's that's actually one thing I wanted to get to is when he mentioned how he was able to eliminate the transmission and all of that oil and and everything like that. It's, well, you know, in the polling world, movable weight is golden weight. I mean, everybody struggles to have movable weight. So it, it ah. sounds like you're on a golden path there because you've just taken, like you said, 70 pounds out of the... <laughs> he just moves of, around his batteries. <laughs> Right, you, you can put your batteries wherever. You got no transmission. I could put, I could put batteries anywhere I please. I can lay batteries upside down. I can put batteries on the nose. I can put batteries in the back. I can take a twenty-pound battery and, you know, with a longer piece of wire, I can put that battery any place I want. Yeah, you can even put the motor anywhere you want. You just got to have a longer drive shaft. You know, in a matter of minutes, you know, I could move batteries. You know, how do you move a transmission or engine in a tractor? It's that takes a lot more than minutes. Darren, I gotta stop you for a minute. You have our sound engineer, who's looked like he's been dead for the past ten episodes, for the most part. You have him upright, sitting vertical at his microphone, and got this biggest shit-eating grin you've ever seen on your face right now. <laughs> hey, I'm just glad to understand something for a change. <laughs> yeah, this is the first conversation where he probably knows more than we do. He's speaking my language <laughs> now. In the second segment, we'll get into the big boy, your outlaw, so to speak. But on this garden tractor, I know when I talked to you, this is, like I said, this is five, six years ago now. I, I wasn't even engaged, I think, when I met you. Um, on the garden tractor, at one point, you had basically a kind of two-stage setup. What was going on with that? I know you told me, but I'd like the listeners to know. You actually had a push button where you could kind of quote-unquote shift gears were you changing um the way the mo i'm i'm a big diesel train diesel electric train fan so were you switching from series to parallel how how are you achieving that so to speak shift and what were you doing with that well the ideal way is to have a, a massive you know high power controller when i started out i had a i think i had a controller that was good for 72 volts so I had 48 volts, I dabbled with 72 volts, and at the end of it all, 72 volts just wasn't spinning that motor up very fast. Volts is speed, and, you know, it's a Cub Cadet, so there's all kinds of aftermarket gears you can go with. So I'm thinking, well, I need more speed, I need more speed. I could buy gears, or hey, I got an idea. I had 72 volts of batteries, and had another 72 volts of batteries. And that was the limit of my controller and the limit of my budget back in that day. So I actually had two sets of 72 volt batteries. So I'm thinking, well, heck, all I got to do is switch that 72 to 144, and bam, I've doubled my RPM. So to get off the line without just flipping over or roasting the tires, launch on the pedal, get it up to 72 volts, wait till the front end kind of settles down. Then you hit that go button, and bam, I've instantly doubled the speed of that motor. Break the tires loose again, keep on cooking. Uh, a little aggressive, but on a budget, oh, it works like a charm. <laughs> You've got the sound engineer just grinning over here. <laughs> He's loving this. It, it's down and dirty. And this, but, is, uh, this is why I man, wanted this work. part of the sport brought up, is what you're doing I'm not going to undersell the technology as far as like, like we keep coming back to, you know, your controllers that you're building. I mean, it, that is what is keeping you alive. That is the MSD ignition. That is, 
you know, the data logger. That is, you know, that is the engine for that. Yes, you have this electric motor hook to it, but without that controller, you're nothing. You're you really don't have right. anything. So how to how to apply that power smooth enough to uh, get you down the track? And this is you know this is why you know I really wanted you to come on and really wanted to highlight this is this is just so cool it's so fascinating you know let's face it pulling for the past fifty years it's been around you know in a some semi organized form has been internal combustion engines whether it was a stock tractor engine or a small block or a big block motor or an allison aircraft then later on okay we're going to go up a technology we're going to go to a jet engine which is has similar efficiencies to what you're finding with the electric motors being one rotating mass that's it you know but electric it's something new it's but like you're saying, your power numbers and what you're able to do is, to me, is just mind-boggling. It's so much simpler and like, so much more efficient than any gas, diesel, alcohol puller could ever hope for. It, it is. It's, it, in simple terms, a battery on a motor, and and you're pulling. You know, you, you dig into the nitty-gritty if you want to dig in and build a speed controller and MOSFETs and speed controls and microprocessors. Yeah, that's that's the world I've delved into because I want to save a buck. But it really is simple. So it's hook up the juice and spin that motor. So a couple of questions for you. So you're you're essentially using voltage regulation to adjust your your speed. Yeah, the controllers that I've been working with lately. Yeah, uh, pulse width modulated. If you want to get into okay, the nitty pulse gritty. With it chops up that voltage in little bitty parts. PSM is is something that Duramax guys are probably familiar with. Um, yes, very maybe, much. Maybe uh, same as uh, pulsing an injector. Yes. I'm pulsing this battery. So I have a little pulse, maybe my uh, pulse width. So my pulse is 10% of the whole duty cycle. So I got a little pulse, a little pulse, a little pulse. That makes a little voltage. And a bigger pulse makes a bigger voltage. And when I go into 100% full pulse... I've got all the voltage of that battery strapped to that motor. And voltage is going to drive the, the amperage. You put more volts, you spin that motor faster, it's going to uh, pull more torque. Ohm's law. Um, so spin it faster. You can uh, spin it faster. It's going to load the motor harder. You can gear it taller. It's going to load the motor harder. Uh, you got a couple options. Um you know, not hard if you say, like I said, oh, I wasn't spinning that motor fast enough. Do I re-gear it, or do I just throw two more batteries at the motor? Well, hell, that was the easiest solution for me. <laughs> <laughs> more power. So, so the second big question you know, I have is uh, um, the, the actual driving it. Are, are you, I mean, you know, in a traditional tractor, you've got a, a throttle and a clutch. Um, w what... Uh, what is the actual nuts and bolts of driving one of these electric uh, pullers? Yeah, clutches out the window. I mean, that's a big portion of the of the advantage. Um, I don't have to worry about slipping the clutch. I don't have to worry about <laughs> rocking two pedals. I do have a throttle pedal. You hit that throttle pedal, and it's going to tell the controller, yeah, more voltage, more voltage, more voltage. 
Um, usually I just mat it, <laughs> let the rest <laughs> take care of itself. Um, it's going to only accelerate so hard. There's protections to protect you from blowing up batteries. Uh, I'm going to say most of the time. We can get into that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be pulling if you didn't blow something up. up once in a while. Oh. So with that, we're going to take a quick break here, uh, Darren. We'll be back with you. Definitely want to get into the outlaw guy because this one to me is most cutting edge, and you've done stuff we talked about the other day on this puller that is just now translating over into, uh, so to speak, the combustion uh, segment of pulling. So we'll be back right here in a minute uh, with Sidetracked on Pulling Radio Network. Have you been injured or think you've been injured? Contact the law offices of Dewey, Screwman and Howe. Auto accident, medical malpractice, slip and fall, dog bite, asbestos. Your boss is a jerk. Nothing worth reading in the paper? Some swamp gas bent the sun's rays and erased your mind? Sit down with our friendly professional staff for a free confidential consultation and cross-examination. Seriously, how can be downright mean? Let the law offices of Dewey, Screwman and Howe decide who should pay and how much. It could even be you. No, it'll definitely be you. The law offices of Dewey, Screwham, and Howe. Call 888-555-1234 or online at www.sidetrackpulling.com. That's 888-555-1234 or www.sidetrackpulling.com. Dewey, Screwham, and Howe are not officially licensed attorneys and are obnoxious subsidiary of Sidetrack LLC. No guarantees implied, not available in any areas. Lots of restrictions will apply. Celebrity voice impersonated. Paid for by Ricky Bobby for Congress. And we're back with yes, we Sidetracked. Are. Carl Cross. And Cross. Yeah, sidetracked with Armstead and Cross. Carl Cross taking the seat across from me tonight. Uh, Mr. Posh feeling under the weather. and Yeah. Hey, well, everybody's tampon gets in a bunch every now and then. You know, it's pathetic excuse. I mean, we're <laughs> talking hookers and blow tonight. I hookers mean, and blow. What better topic to discuss? Mr. Darren Gilbert on with us still talking electric pullers. And, man, this is I, – I couldn't be happier with what we got going so far, just the knowledge that's getting out there. and It's, it's, a, it's a whole shade of polling that, uh, that's never been covered. I mean, I mean we're, we're people here who are, who are kind of in depth with the polling world, and, and this is still a new topic to us. What in the hell are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> you know, and that's it. You know, when Sidetrack got started, Charles, Nick, and I – started this we wanted to make sure we uh we weren't gearing our show for the average fan to go okay we were at this pole this guy went this distance no we wanted to get technical we wanted to get into the cubic inches we wanted to get into the transmissions we wanted to get in the induction systems and we wanted this and this is what it's evolved to is now we're gone to hookers and blow well, i mean it's uh, it's been there and done that right I, there's there's plenty of radio shows to talk about truck and tractor pulling and, and, and it's all the same beat old path you know and, and it's the same thing and they're just talking about this pole and that pole so this this show is different it's we're going to get into depth we're going to talk about who's doing what what kind of motor setup they've got we're going to call people out by name oh absolutely there's no holds barred here but darren we started out with you we talked about you know the basics how you got into this then we got talking about the garden tractor, the Cub Cadet chassis that you started with doing this. and uh, You couldn't have picked a better chassis, by the way. <laughs> we got two red guys in here. Oh, so yeah, happy we do. With that. Say. We're both nothing wearing red hats like right now. Not, if if I had to like pick a, deer, a color, I'd pick like red, too. 
Nothing runs like a deer away from the competition. But Pretty much. Let's get into... <laughs> I believe it's classified as an outlaw, if I'm not mistaken, is kind of how it's delivered. It's Yeah. It's a uh, mini mod, I, more or less. Yeah, I had your guys' minds a little bit blown with the garden tractor. You could kind of wrap your heads around that. Um, I'm just getting up to speed. <laughs> the next class uh, really pushes the limits. Um, what we call them in our club is uh, ultralight, which is yep. totally misleading. Everybody thinks, okay, mini planes or something. What you'd really call it is a mod tractor. What what these tractors, these are like a mod tractor to a, of a garden tractor of what is a, a multi-engine mod to a farm tractor. You're, you're so, talking, to, to put it in big tractor perspectives, is is, a, is an open class. I mean, this is basically... An, an open this mod is class. the Joe Socks. Oh. This is the Edders. This yep. is... You this know, is the tenors, unlimited class. Is, you know, yep. you know whatever you're no you can come up with. Garden tractor frames. You're talking, you know, tube frames. You're no longer talking traditional engines. Uh, traditionally, it's motorcycle engines. Once in a while, you get a snowmobile th- engine thrown in there. Mostly motorcycle engines. We get different CC classes uh, below 580, uh, 581 to. Don't quote me on all these numbers. 800, 820. 820 up to 1200 and then you want to get really crazy we go multi-motorcycle motor and uh yeah that's it sky's the limit you want two motors you want three motors and hell now they're letting me run electric motors so uh and for those who are listening there will be pictures and darren if i have your permission we're if i can grab uh some videos from you uh, to put up on uh, our Facebook page. Go to Sidetracked with Armstead and Posh, our Facebook page, and you'll be able to see these vehicles we're talking about. They'll be up there. Um, definitely, I know I've got some up there currently, but definitely give them a look so that way you know what the hell we're actually talking about. Pretty damn good-looking machine, too, th- if I might damn add. damn good-looking machines, and your ultralight, as you call it, He's got to be one of the coolest looking tractors I've ever seen in my life. It's different. Uh, it uh, it changes up everything. Um, I talked about the garden tractor with lead, and and that was great. But uh, I, I got to stop, and I got a shout out to Jim Percola. This was he was the guy that got me interested in, and ultimately this is his tractor. He's the guy that had the dream. He's the guy that had the vision, uh, the deep pockets, really. And he says, hey, we're going to build this tractor. This was actually his, his well, call it third. Um, newer and better ideas. And he said, all right, this is the tractor we're going to build. Kind of his brainchild. Um, his brainchild. And, and and this guy had been pulling for 20 years, so he had a lot of things that he wanted to do, wanted to try. And, you know, this is the culmination of his years of uh, pulling. Um, started out with a tube frame. You stick a Ford Ranger rear end in the back. Um, motor. Motor doesn't go in the front. We take a motor, stick it right on top of the rear end, chain drive it to the rear end. It's like, wow, who has rear engine? Well, <laughs> that's step one. Uh, we do a chain drive from the motor down to the rear end. So at least in the figuring it out, dialing it in stage, I can change gears. I can change ratios. Uh, really easy to change any ratios once I find the su- sweet spot. Once I find the sweet spot, you know, like we said, the, the torque's got, motor's got torque that won't end, but uh, 
to get it where it belongs. Yeah, we've got all kinds of gear combinations. So a driver sits in the middle. Um, hey, why not? Um, well, where else would so you put As to, uh, we even went with uh, suspension. I mean, seemed like a good idea at the time. Nobody's doing it. Our, I guess we're pioneers in that respect. Let's let's uh, let's delve into that right now. Um, for those of you listening who are who are not familiar with Darren's tractor or have never seen it, his tractor runs an independent front suspension on it, and uh, it's actually something curious to me because in in most pulling vehicle setups, you usually want as little suspension as possible. You you want positive down pressure to the ground, but um. He's running IFS. He's rear-wheel drive, so having having some suspension uh, some suspension on the front end is probably a good thing. And uh, I, I actually think he's got an interesting viewpoint on it. And you know, before we dive into it, this is something I brought up to Darren. You know, when I first saw this tractor, you know, how many years ago now? You think by now how many times I've referenced it? I'd remember, but man, memory fades. And probably a lot of alcohol between here and there. Lots of but lots of uh, when I first saw this tractor, I saw the independent front suspension. It's it's a four wheeler front end on it as well. Actually, is. real quick, real quick, I was going to ask: is is your IFS is that a, a homemade setup or is that just ripped off of something? It was cut off of something. I couldn't tell you what, and uh, welded onto this. I, I think what was honestly a, a two chassis garden tractor frame so uh yeah oh so it came from garden tractor to garden tractor uh yeah there was a guy that uh was building two two frame garden tractor chassis a while back um didn't really pan out like they thought but uh he had one laying around so okay because i I was curious point of this i was curious if that was a a homemade setup or if that was just ripped right off the front of a four-wheeler or something yeah yeah the, the front end the front end completely is yep so when couldn't, t- couldn't tell you what brand, but uh, <laughs> hey, it's working for you. Who cares? But we got talking about this. I talked with you on Sunday, um, kind of a little bit of show prep with you to explain what we were looking for. And when I first saw it, I thought, God, this is dumb. You know, I I'm the old school. You know, you want solid front axle, solid, you know, everything, solid, solid. solid weight everything, transfer. You know exactly. And since that point, you know, that was six years ago, seven years ago. We, we've we now progressed in the world where expe- big front right now is the super farm tractors are running coil over and airbag front suspensions on them. Very similar, Darren, to what you've been running for countless years now with this tractor let's just say darren's ahead of the curve in many aspects you're an innovator in every sense of the word on this and i don't even know if you realize it do they uh run with the front wheels floating or do they still try to get it off the ground they're They're still off the ground yes no they're they're carried most of the way and and mostly them bigger tractors now they're running independent front suspension and, and stuff like that just to cushion the fall because uh, they're, the they're carrying cushion the fall. Yeah, they're carrying them front ends quite high all the way down the track and uh, and I mean in, in a perfect run you set her down nice and easy but a perfect run only happens half the time so <laughs> so they've started running some some front suspension just to ease that that blow to the chassis and, and everything. And there's a difference there is we're talking. You know, for you, you're running, quote-unquote, kind of the big tires, 
I know it's not the big tires like the mini guys, but you are running bigger tires. You know, it's still a small tire setup on a tube chassis. So you're very much a mini rod. So the independent front suspension really has been touched in that type of class and that type of low slung to the ground setup. What we're talking about is still a row crop tractor with an independent front suspension on it. Crazy. It, it is crazy. And uh, and that's one thing when uh, when I was trying to to analyze, you know, and, and put your tractor into into my frame of thought of, of large tractors and, and pickup trucks and stuff, I completely skipped over a couple of things because while you are a tractor, you, you're not quite a big tractor and, and things are different for you than, you know, what I'm used to. And, you know, to me, I grew up, the littlest tractor I saw was, was a 5,000 pound farm tractor, you know, so the little garden tractors to me are, are, uh, are a new breed. So why don't you um why don't you explain and, and break down for the listeners what what that independent front suspension does for you? The idea for it from the get go was yeah you know protect this high dollar battery you don't want this thing bouncing around you know get it, get it to last through several seasons. Um, but for one, you know it allows me to experiment. You know we're pulling out all the stops. Everything's. Uh, and a new adventure. I, I've had uh, days where I said, "Well, I'm going to block those. I'm going to block the suspension straight and uh, take out the shocks. See what happens." Um, you know, it didn't seem to affect much. I thought I had some uh, chassis bounce going. I thought maybe it was the front end loading and unloaded. It wasn't the case. Probably uh, attributed to some tire pressures. So it allows me to experiment. I mean, I could be solid. I take the shocks out. I put in solid bar, and, and I'm solid. But uh, the one one concept I've had, and I've done the scaling and, and stuff, and you know I have the ability to carry that front end, so I've only got say 10, 15 pounds on a wheel. I've got most of the weight planted on the back, but I've still got a little steering left. And you know who wants? I do have steering brakes on the big tractor. I mean, at uh, we're, well, we're at eighteen hundred pounds now. Uh, for a while, I was at thirteen fifty. At thirteen fifty, you can still steer a tractor with body weight. The uh, brakes were there as kind of a safety net, but hey, don't touch the brakes if you don't have to. Exactly. Have to um, asking uh, for a loss. Uh, a rule of thumb is uh, for for bigger tractors is is anytime you touch the brakes or you have to really get on the brakes to to make a steering correction is you're losing ten feet in the end. So, cool. I mean that's a that's a big deal. You're going to keep them front tires on the ground and, and keep your steering. Yeah, I mean, you, you could get that little bit of weight on them rear tires, but ultimately, if you can keep them tires on the ground for steering, no braking in the rear end, I, I think you might be better off. Oh, yeah. At control, I've learned kind of the hard way is huge. Um, in the class I was running before, they allowed a a 16-inch hitch, which is, is nuts. Uh, you're over over the axle with the hitch and my scientific brain is telling me well if i'm running maximum hitch i got maximum angle i got maximum downforce i think i'm thinking too much with my brain not with my my butt you know um i'm going maximum hitch height and i couldn't keep the front end down ever and if i couldn't keep the front end down i was all over the track i might have might have been putting on big distance down the track but i wasn't getting to the end of the track because just too hard to control and, and no, no pulling surface is ever perfect, and, right? Man, when the tractor's going straight, it's, it's running great. So, you know, 
a big part, getting it down the track, straight in the sweet spot. Still learning about driving. I mean, I'm still not one to know where to put it down the track, shiny, sticky, but uh, hey, that's, make up for it with horsepower, I guess. That, that's the dark art. There's yeah. guys been pulling 30, 40 years who still can't tell you and, uh, where to put it down the track. Honestly, you almost got to put a knife to someone's throat to get that kind of information out of them. You're not sharing that here, huh? No, I mean, I wish I had that knowledge to give you, but even uh, even with my upbringing around truck and tractor pulling, I'm still still a little bit green on on reading tracks. I mean, I got an idea on which which side you want to run, but there are some people who can just they'll look at a track from a hundred feet away and they'll tell you where to go. We'll we'll talk and pack. I'll talk to you up and pack, and uh, I'll we can share you know, some secrets. But but yeah, back to it. I mean. To give up that little bit of hitchhike or to give up uh, that little bit of weight and get it down. All I know for sure is it involves is, shaking uh, a chicken in the right direction. Yeah, and it has to be a virgin chicken. Oh, see, I didn't even know that part. <laughs> but, all right, let's talk. Where did the... We're looking at pictures. I got my laptop pulled up right now. We're looking at pictures of this ultralight. Where in the heck did this big motor come from? I mean, we're looking at a motor, what, 12 to 15 inches in diameter? What the hell are you a running motor, for rims uh, on that thing? Uh, so uh, a lot of guys will come up to me and say, oh, I, I thought that was a turbine from a distance. Well, it no, it does resemble one. It could be. <laughs> um, at one point, we called the tractor the big 13-inch, kind of a ripoff of, I guess, Steven Tyler and his big 10-inch. That's a 13-inch <laughs> motor. Uh Probably came out of an eight thousand pound forklift, and it's a little bit overkill for what we're doing. That sucker's about <laughs> hundred pounds. No such thing as overkill in the sport of pulling. And it's room for uh, room for advancement. I could probably <laughs> double the voltage and double the the amperage and quadruple the horsepower, and I'd still be within limits. Um, it's Electric a beast. motors are fun. Um, <laughs> the other thing where that motor shines, yeah, it's a three hundred pound motor. It's about an eighty-pound armature, so I got a eighty-pound spinny part in that motor. You've got a fl- um, eighty-pound flywheel keeping the power going. Yes, sir. Eighty-pound flywheel gonna get me through all the hard spots. I don't wow. have rods spinning around it. I don't have pistons flopping around. I just got that eighty-pound armature slinging. <laughs> Jesus, mercy, God! You've put me in my six-point-six displacement. To shame. It uh, to sit back from a scientific standpoint, it makes perfect sense. No, I mean you're putting uh, you're putting a lot of weight in motion with relative ease, and then when you come down to the far end of we're, the track, I mean it's going to translate. It's going to translate in the distance. We're down to Newton's laws here. You're, Objects you're, that are in motion stay in motion. You so. are taking physics down to the laws. Yep. God. Yeah, it's got a lot going for it. Um, again, you know, no clutch in this sucker. Um, no, tra- you know, reverse. Hey, reverse would be handy, but uh, I've got electric reverse. You know, no one wants to push an eighteen hundred pound tractor around, so I just flip the switch and uh, the motor switches. I got, I can go as fast reverse as I can forward. <laughs> That's probably dangerous. Shuttle speed, shuttle shift. So <laughs> yeah, there speed. you go. <laughs> At this point, you're, I, you're basically a uh, hydrostatic drive. Oh, hydrostatic? You don't want to heat up all that fluid and pump <laughs> that around. That's nuts. <laughs> Back to what Andrew said about the trains, right? I got a train. Yeah. 
It's a uh, electric drive line. That's too cool. <laughs> now, all right, I'm going to go as far geek as I can go with it. Now, you're running everything DC, correct? Correct. Now, I'll go to my train, love. I, I love pulling. Pulling is one of my number one hobbies, but to me, trains are the ultimate. That is my true passion. I can open up my book bag I carry my laptop in. There's at least two train magazines in there right now. Probably a book or two. Nerd alert. <laughs> You'll have it. You have now, no idea. Now, the innovation for them right now has gone to um, frequency modulated AC. Is there any future of something like that where you no longer have the duty cycles to worry about because you don't have the commutators, things like that, where everything's just done on frequency and the voltage is consistent? I take pretty much everything I do from the world of drag racing. I don't know if you guys think of it this way. It, to me, polling is almost the opposite of drag racing in a lot of respects. Very it much. is very, very much. much. You come out, you come out with your high speed off the line, and you've got your high torque at the end of the, at the end of the track. In drag racing, you come off the line with your high torque, and you finish with your high RPM at the top end. But in the middle. It's, it really just comes down to drag racing. I'm going 300 feet instead of a quarter mile. You're still in a you know 12, 15 second run. And those guys aren't doing AC yet. Um, it's talked about. It's just the, the for the dollars you're you're not gaining. Um, I a know lot it's more electronics. A lot it's more very expensive and AC. very heavy too, because now you're dealing um, with inverters. But commutation, yes, that's where uh, I haven't even delved into that world. But there's tricks that people have been doing with commutation for a hundred years. You can adjust timing. You yes. can uh, uh, other things you can do to fix your commutation issues. Um, and if, if I was pushing big volts, that's where you actually get into you know arcing motors with commutation problems. Not pushing the motors that hard yet, but um, it's out there. It's not cost-effective yet, pushing into the AC world. I'm better off using the, the DC parts that, like, high-low guys are throwing away. <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't blame you. Well, you just brought something up there as a commutation. All your motors are running, what, in series? You're not venturing into, like, once again, with locomotives where they go... You know, series, 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 parallel, parallel, series, parallel, parallel. You know, you have your steps. You're just running one. You're running just a straight series wound system. Yeah, series. Are you talking multiple motors or just multiple windings? Multiple windings. Of course. Oh, well, that's something I gotta. I gotta learn more about. We gotta talk. Um, <laughs> I'll turn you on to quite a few train books. Don't worry. That is. Uh... That is something I hear about. I mean, you can field weaken, you can field strengthen, you can have a bit of uh, shunt windings with your series windings. Um, yep, your shunting. Yeah. yeah, that's a whole other world that I've yet to even cross into. So, For those not familiar, yeah, is we're just getting started. The RPM and speeds you're able to get in just a series wound motor isn't as great as you can get with a parallel system. So. You do, like you just said, you shunt between stages, basically like shifting gears in a car to allow that speed build up and still keep within your load range or power band, I guess you could call for a regular motor, you know, power band, but your load range on a 
on an electric motor. Well, all right. I, why don't why don't why don't we shift this conversation about uh, electric trains back into the world of truck and tractor pulling? <laughs> well, I'm where just it all originated from. Where he's, uh, this is this is sidetracked after all. So, yeah. for those of you not familiar with the show, this is exactly what happens every time. It starts on one thing, and next thing you know, you're talking about train engines. We'll, we'll, yeah, who, we'll who talk. Who the train technology into tractor pulling? Yeah, well, hey, you know what? 15 years from now, you might see a locomotive going down the track. <laughs> I I really do, Darren, I really do think that you are you are pushing the future right now. You are what is going to be the norm in 10 or 15 years. I think in 10 or 15 years, uh, electric tractors, at least garden tractors, will be a normal thing. I don't think it's going to translate into big big tractors and and trucks i think that's maybe a little farther off in the future but you are you are on the cusp of the evolution of this sport and and i want to give you my my hat is off to you you're a man who's who's on the fringe i don't think we're far out you know i think the you know the industry you know farm tractors aren't really probably going to be electric the next couple years uh caterpillar does have hybrid dozers um, you know, cars becoming full electric. So, you know, the technology is out there. Um, garden tractors, I guess, yeah, maybe garden tractors is where it starts. Gar- uh, General Electric had electric garden tractors back in the 70s. So, you know, yes, yes, just starting to come back to that. Um, but I believe Ford had an electric car as early as the 1940s, didn't they? Uh, it might have actually been earlier. Well, you, get, you got into there fuel some, cell technology. Oh, yeah, we've been at it for... For a long, long time. So, but uh, we're, we're, in, a, in a pure, uh, in a pure, call it outlaw uh, standpoint, I, I don't think a, a thousand horse mini rod is out of the question at all. The technology is there; just need the, just need some sponsors to start lining up. I think you just gave me uh, a little bit of a heart on there. <laughs> Easy. There are. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm building stuff from scratch, but. There is technology out there. Um, a guy in Texas I've been talking with, he's got all the parts ready to fly out the door. He's got a 2,000-horse gearbox. It'll accept four motors. He sells the batteries. <laughs> it, it's a it's a bolt-and-go setup. A.K.A. you just need to raise the money to buy it and drop it in your chassis. Drop it in your chassis. He Ooh. advertises as a talking point uh, $12 per horsepower on the battery. Ooh. So it's it's not uh, not obscene. Yeah, when you're talking two thousand horsepower, though, that adds up. Sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? You start well, doing the math on that. Two thousand horse tractor cost. You, exactly. I was just gonna say, uh, super farms run upwards blocks, of fifteen hundred horsepower, and you're looking at seventy to a hundred thousand dollars for one of them. So. And the bulk of that, at least forty thousand, is uh, into the motor. So yeah, you're really not that far off, Darren, with your numbers that you're giving. You know, at twelve dollars a horse, not twenty thousand, two thousand. Yes, twenty-four thousand dollars for the batteries. You know, you're not actually that far off from what it would take to do. It's. It's. I think he's flying below the radar. Two thousand horsepower for for twenty four thousand dollars. Good luck finding that anywhere else. Right. 
in batteries. You got to throw the motors at it. So wow, well, okay. So, you might, you but might I'm saying, so so you you got twenty four thousand dollars in in batteries and what Maybe on top? That much more. Okay, so so to make a two thousand horsepower diesel engine, you're usually talking eighty thousand dollars minimum. Yeah, so <laughs> is right. You are you are uh, dollar wise, you are pretty far ahead of the curve. You are there. the most budget friendly form of pulling. Yes, right now. <laughs> Hell, for how much I've got into my pulling truck, I could be making five thousand horsepower. <laughs> Well, maybe this uh, reaches the the right crowd. Uh, they'll be lining up to buy these. Well, all three of our listeners I know are sure to enjoy <laughs> this show. But <laughs> Nate, Nate, you should maybe pick this up. I'm talking to Nathan Drop, by the way. But uh, why don't you tell us more? You know, we've talked about you in local pulling. You pull with uh, Mid Michigan Mini Gas Tractors, and uh, I know you also pull with uh, MT Pocket Pullers. Uh, where is this class at, or these these type of pullers, on kind of a national landscape? I mean, there's got to be other innovators and, so to speak, Tesla geniuses like you. Not a lot. Um, I'm, uh, I'm scouring the World Wide Web. I found some guy yeah, down south, I think, working with a school, and then they whipped up a little garden tractor. Nothing too fancy. Uh, I did... Uh, for those that follow garden tractor pulling, um, I'm sure those in the garden tractor pulling world know about national quarter scale. It's actually a national circuit uh, where you run garden tractors. Um, they have mostly a winter circuit where the, the guys aren't doing their local, you call them brush pulls. They'll do the winter circuit and, and go to Ohio, Kentucky, uh, different areas. Places like Keystone we just had last week, huh? And uh, one of the classes um, was actually uh, Open Superstock. A couple years ago, they opened Open Superstock to include gas, alcohol, diesel, and they officially opened it up to electric power plants. Um, Julian Stahl, his dad, basically runs the organization. Julian, young guy, all kinds of crazy ideas, says, well, I'm going to build an electric tractor how so ironic that julian would be in the land of the jewels Ooh, i don't right. think anybody got that reference whoa he just went deep there <laughs> the, uh, you know young guy visionary says i'm gonna build this electric tractor and we discussed a little bit and actually i helped him out with the rules a little bit we took some of the safety rules from national electric drag racing and worked him into their rule book and yeah it's completely he uh, built this tractor. It evolved over a couple years. He started out with bigger lead batteries and smaller lead batteries. He realized he didn't have the voltage, and he went so far as to uh, go to lithium. He was uh, in the near near 150 horse. I'm going to say 120 to 150 horse in this garden tractor, and he was running in classes with three cylinder turbo diesels and running right at the top of the pack. So, you know, this is a guy with a lot of resources at his disposal. He can build transmissions from scratch. He can build chassis from scratch. And uh, when he went into the electric world, yeah, he uh, was right in the top of the pack. Before um, um, before we wind this conversation with you down, I, I would like to ask your opinion. Where where do you see the electric pulling scene going in the future? Do you, do you think it's contained mostly to smaller tractors, or do you think... 
that you know one day in the future it might be five maybe 10 or 15 years from now we're gonna see you know a, a, a 10,000 pound farm tractor that's all electric I mean do you think that's a possibility I don't know if I see it in farm tractors just you know the I don't know the way I see farm tractors the purity of the sport but in a, a two-wheel drive truck or in a mod tractor or mini mini rod uh, absolutely I'm hoping 10 I'm hoping five maybe 10 but I don't think it's that far away well the see technology I'm, is there you just need the guy to put it all together when you look at horsepower per pound I mean ideal you you've got a 10,000 pound or a 9,000 pound super stock tractor 9,000 pounds is a shit ton of batteries so I guess in my long-term view of the future where ultimately if you're talking if you're talking electric power ultimately it comes down to battery weight I mean 9,000 pounds is a lot of battery weight to play with I mean you you got to have chassis and tires and 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 rolled cage and stuff like that but I mean, when you got a 9,000-pound tractor, that's a lot of battery, and, and ultimately I think you can make a lot of power. So do, do you think down the road you could see electric taking over the large tractor world? You know, it's going to fall back on the rules. Is it going to be legal? Um, you know, in wow, my sometimes club, you got to break the rules, right? You know, in my small club, they'll let everybody run. You know, it's just about having fun. Uh, in the bigger world, man, I hope so. Um and I don't even think you have to make the same horsepower for all the things we've discussed. Uh, skip the clutch. You're right. Or you're right. When you, when you go to a direct uh, drive with weight, lower lower center of gravity. Correct. So you can probably do the same at really less horsepower even. So well, we got to get this wrapping up, Darren. Thank you for coming on to Sidetracked here for the Hookers and Blow segment. Hookers and Blow. We we're gonna have to have you on again because there is more to this than. Even I anticipated. Uh, definitely want to put some highlight on this. Talk to you as the season goes on, and uh, kind of keep in touch you with uh, what's going on and any developments with this. Because I know Nick, our sound engineer, is loving this. Carl's loving Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Oh, Nick over there has a little twenty-four volt hard on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, oh, come on, I'm up to at least thirty-six. <laughs> Not to ninety something yet. <laughs> so. Uh, Thank you, sir, for coming on with us. We really appreciate you uh, giving up your time to come talk with us here tonight. Yeah, hopefully we can just uh, spread the love for electric drivetrains and get more out there. I'm feeling the love. (laughs) So uh, thank you, sir, and uh, we will check in with you uh, again in the future. Uh, Right now, hey. We're going to uh, take a short commercial break here. We're going to come back and wrap up the program. This is Sidetracked on Pulling Radio Network. See ya! Life Media Tech is your one-stop shop for multimedia, photography, videography, live event productions, and web systems and infrastructure design and maintenance. Life Media can handle it all. Drew and I trust Life Media to use years of experience to bring Sidetrack to you each and every week. Isn't it a time that you did the same? Serving Metro Detroit and the Blue Water area, contact Life Media directly at 810-689-4151. That's Life Media, 810-689-4151. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Sidetracked with Armstead and Cross. 
and uh, let's get into it here. Now that we are over our guest caller, and uh, I, I kind of want to delve into some of my own business here. And uh, everybody knows about the Burvell Lions three-day event. Absolutely great event. Uh, it's all a charity. Excellent announcing. All charity. All charity. Every every dollar of profit from that show goes right back into local charities and other events. I mean, the Lions Club. It's an international group. It is an international group. It is worldwide. I mean, it does everything from from send kids across the globe to put glasses on homeless kids. I mean, which it's, was the it's first, a great cause. Which was the first uh, jo- task given to the Lions. Those of you who aren't familiar with the Lions Club, um, it was actually Helen Keller who reached out to the early, early, early version of the Lions Club. Helen Keller reached out to them and asked them, challenged them to uh, help out uh, uh, help out the blind people. And and that's really where the Lions Club took up its, its original footing to help with vision problems. And, and it's grown to so much more beyond that. I mean... Uh, local toy drives for Christmas for needy children and and, in vision testing in elementary schools. I mean, they do everything. It it is a beautiful cause. We're still out there doing the white cane campaign on, you know, street corners. You see us out there along with, you know, the good old boys uh, newspaper, you know, the good fellows and that. But we're still out there. We're selling the Tootsie Rolls to you guys to generate funds. You know, the white cane fundraisers, you know. You know, any every dime put this club when I joined the Burville Alliance, thanks to Carl and Nathan Drab. Got to give him credit too. Oh, there. you you got to credit Nathan Drab to me, right? I got him <laughs> in that thing too. Yep. But the first one of the first things that was mentioned when I joined the Lions is the fact of the matter. Every they're, they're in the business to take money in, just to give it right back away. They're not in there for any profit. No, I I mean every. I mean, obviously, it it takes money to run an organization, but um, most lion clubs at their local level are run on on, I mean, bare minimum. It's it's whatever it takes to maintain the facilities, keep the lights on, and other than that, every dollar goes right back to the organizations we give to. One of our largest is the Bear Lake Camp, which is for disabled children. And, uh, and and that's a great cause. And, and, I mean, the list of things that the Lions Club donates money to or is involved with to make sure that they run properly is endless. I couldn't even, I couldn't even oh, rattle the list off. Every meeting we go to, we have four or five requests for donations, whether it's to help a member out because their hot water heater went out, to a youth organization or a school, or we're always giving money somewhere. And it even, it even goes beyond direct direct uh donations to charity events as and then we maintain um four softball fields just just in burville alone we maintain four baseball fields and i believe there's four or five local youth organizations that all utilize our fields so i mean it's just a beautiful cause it helps out i i mean it's got to be in the thousands the the thousands of people that come through our baseball diamonds just that we maintain alone and it and it all comes 
direct from profits from things like the Burval three-day event and the wild game dinner and stuff like that. And let's dive in, Carl. You and I are both involved. You guys got me involved this year more on the pulling aspect. Let's talk about the Burville three-day. You and I grew up with it. It was one of the major pulls. Your dad was a major organization. First thing in my life I remember is sitting on the side of the Lions Field track and just yelling, go dad, watching him go down the track on our fucking what it was language oh what was an 806 gas tractor which is now an 806 diesel tractor gotta watch that but sorry uh, (laughs) we'll we'll let it slide here i think the sound engineer got that (laughs) he's working on a bleep (laughs) that'll be bleeped out in in the actual feed (laughs) but major event we do everything from bump and run to figure eight tractor pulls burnout contest tug of war Mud bogs. The hill and hole. Oh my god. I've put a lot of hours into that hill and hole mud bog track, rebuilding it just for those guys to come out because I wanna see I wanna see some big airtime this year. I mean we've got everything from stock trucks with mud tires all the way up to the mega trucks going through. Ooh, the and then mega trucks get some air. Last year we had that one show truck, right? It was yep. it was a SEMA truck. Never it played in the mud, but it was always kind of careful with itself. And it came to our track and it rolled itself right over. It's back together. It is it's back together. As pretty as can be. It's just down the road from my parents' place. I see it every time I go by. So But uh dates for this year, Carl. What do we got? We have July 15th, 16th, and 17th. Friday night coming at you live is gonna be the truck and tractor poles, mostly under the lights. It will be a seven o'clock start time. And it'll probably run until about eleven o'clock at night if everything goes well. Yeah, with the classes we got, and we've got classes you don't normally see too. We got we have several TTPA classes, including uh, it is a TTPA sanctioned poll, so we're gonna have uh, Super Farms, Super Farm, eight thousand diesel pro stock, or eight yeah, eight thousand diesel pro stock, ten farm. No, the 10 oh, Farm 10 is farm unsanctioned. Is running unsanctioned. We are running 10 Farm unsanctioned. The, so for all of you out there, piss on 10 mile an hour club. Piss on 10 mile an hour club. Um, 2.5 diesel trucks, Pro Street gas trucks. Yep. Um, and then unsanctioned wise, we're going to be running a local diesel class. We have two classes for two lo- local yep. pickups. Yep. It's going to be gonna run basically a hot stock style. Nah, it'll be it'll be uh, it'll be local stock diesel, which, yep. which basically means stock charger. Exactly. That's and what then uh, and then there's the local hot diesel club, which is yep. uh Anything anything goes as long as you've got the basic safety street necessities. Legal. Yeah, a street legal, so it has to be plated and insured, street legal vehicle, but it has to also have a couple of safety features on it if you're going to be that hot. So you got to have kill switches and stuff like that. Well, all the classes have to have a kill exactly. switch. Exactly. So so, so uh, for anybody thinking about coming out to Burville this year, there will be a class for you. If you're a, a mostly stock vehicle, just throw a kill switch on it. Um, you can make one out of an extension cord in about five minutes, and you can come and pull our street uh, stock class. Anybody who's a little bit hotter than that, you're probably familiar with it. You've probably already got the kill switch and stuff like that. Uh, come run, come run our uh, our hot street class because I think you're going to find some good competition there. Then we roll into Saturday. We got our bump and run. We have figure eight. Tug of War and Burnout Contest. I be think I, as of now, yeah, the plan is to try to run all four of those events in one day, and then we're going to follow it up on Sunday with the Hill Mud and Hole Mudbog races. 
And uh, I do believe we're going to try to squeeze some dirt drags in at the end oh, of the day. Oh, the HSP dirt track shootouts. Yep. Got to give a shout out to Joe Cucci. Great job there. Giving us a uh, good sponsorship for the dirt drags again. If you have any sort of piping needs for your diesel truck, make sure you check out HSP Performance. I will give them a free plug for that. HSPDiesel.com. I, I, Joe Cucci, great guy. Beautiful work. I'm going to I tip my hat to them. Not only do they do some of the best fabrication work that I've seen, and, and they are national for being such a... For, uh, I mean, just got done finishing up a 3.0 truck going oh, to Virginia. For the size businesses they are in the location they are, and then you realize that they are a national contender in the diesel world. They sell parts nationwide. I've, I mean, I've seen guys posting HSP stuff. You know, they, you know, they put it on their truck and they run it, and then they're gonna go, okay, well, I'm switching up to this charger, so I'm selling this kit that I had. And these are guys in California, all, I mean, all over. United States selling this stuff and they are selling HSP kits. But beyond that is HSP contacted us and they reached out to the Burville Lions Club and they said, Hey, we want to be involved. What events do you guys have going on that we can be a part of? And and I think that says a lot about the HSP mentality and their great, and their morality. Great, great crew down. They there. are beyond belief amazing people. So all right, we're running short on time here. This is sidetracked. We're missing something here today. Oh, we're missing a rant. We, we have not had any rants yet today. Oh. I think we got time for a rant. We, we got time for a rant. And and I got to get his heroes and legends. We always do that with every guest. So I think we can stretch. Got to keep your rant in three minutes, though. All right. My rant starting right off the top here. Stock appearing superchargers. Turbochargers. No, stock appearing turbochargers is one of the most ridiculous rules I've ever heard because as technology increases from the factory, every iteration of a Power Stroke or a Cummins or a Duramax is going to be more optimized and every year is going to be more efficient and ultimately saying that you're going to keep a stock appearing charger it's it's going to become ridiculous you're going to phase out older model trucks and ultimately stock appearing chargers are it's it's ridiculous because i mean people can take take an older model charger now and they can get a thousand horsepower out of an older charger because it's been around for years and they've had time to break them down and 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 figure out exactly how thin they can make that and how much power they can make out of it. And it's 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 ridiculous. So to, to think you're going to run a class based solely on stock appearing chargers, to me, it, it's it's ridiculous. It's it's too much of an open window. Oh, absolutely. I'll agree. I've, I've gone on off, off on this topic before. Just because you go stock appearing charger. Well, guess what? A stock appearing Ford charger can only fit a 64 millimeter wheel. A Duramax, on the other hand, 73-millimeter wheel. All day. That is ginormous. They'll be making 74s in no time. That is just short of a 3.0 charger. Yep. By a hair. That's a 2.9-something charger. And then who, and who the, knows what's going to come out in 2017. Guys. You want to talk about somebody getting short-sold on it, it's the Cummins guys. Right. And, and like I said, in 2017, the stock charger might support an 80-millimeter wheel. Yeah, you never know. 
So absolutely, I'm I'm sick and tired of it. We've gone off on it before. And, you know, pretty weak rant there, man. You could have blown up quite a well, bit. Well, I'm short on time. Also, I got to oh, no, squeeze we in got, here. We got some more time. Our sound engineer just informed me. We got about 15 more minutes. Oh, holy cow. Whoa. All right, then. I got a little bit more time to rant here. Yeah, let her have it. Let All her right. just watch the language. 2.5 class. Stock interior. No hand throttles. What the hell is that? Come on. A, a 2.5 truck is no longer street legal. Come on. that That's a dedicated polling vehicle. Why are they not allowed to have stripped interiors? Why can't they have hand throttles? To me, that makes no sense. I mean, it, it's not a, it's not your work stock class. It's not your local pickup class. A 2.5 vehicle is a dedicated polling vehicle. And I know, I know there's a lot of guys out there who have a 2.5 truck who are still driving it on the road. My hands off to you. Big applause. I give you power. But, uh, but to require every truck in a 2.5 class have the full interior and, and they have to run a stock or a, or a foot throttle to me is ridiculous. Um, I mean, I know firsthand the difficulty of trying to work work the throttle when you have a small foot pedal. I I mean, I wish I could run a hand throttle on my truck, but the class I run over in Southwest Ontario um, is a street legal class. And so, I mean, it makes more sense that it would be non-hand throttle, right? You can't have a hand throttle in a daily driver or a street legal vehicle. So, But uh, in a 2.5 class, there, there should definitely be hand throttles allowed. But getting off of that topic... <laughs> Why why do we have to have back seats? Oh God, seriously. That is Here we go with this again. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. I know Charles stayed away from it, but I I'm a truck guy, so this is it's it's uh it's a little ridiculous to me, but you know what? If we're gonna if we're gonna delve into this too much, uh you know what I think I am gonna avoid it. I wanna delve into uh I wanna delve into heroes. Yeah, one thing every every time we bring somebody on is since we Charles and I have done the show, every guest we bring on, we didn't get a chance to do it with Darren. I apologize, Darren. We'll get it next time. We just run out of time, you know. There's we could talk for hours with Darren. Awesome job. What a way to start off hookers and blow. Absolutely. Hookers and blow. And who doesn't love hookers and blow? <laughs> oh god. That is pullers and their aspiration systems, not to be confused with something you can buy on 8 Mile. That was for Dave Foltz. I know he'll be listening. But uh, Charles and I did a segment about three, you, you, four you, weeks ago. You can't ago. buy turbos on uh, on 8 Mile? No, you can, but uh, I wouldn't trust him to put on my pulling. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't trust him as far as I had to trust a hooker from 8 Mile. <laughs> about three weeks ago, Charles and I started our seg. We did a show. That was basically us just talking about our heroes and legends. And uh, the passing of Johnny Griggs brought, brought that about in Charlie Wilcox. And uh, so what we've done after that is every guest we have on, we're now guest host. Um, we ask, you've been in the sport for a while. I know you have, Carl. You've grown oh, yeah. up in it. Oh, from, a, from the womb. Yep. Who are your legends and heroes and it doesn't have to be somebody well-known. I mean, it's who shaped the sport for you and really kept your attention and pulled you in 
to get that pulling bug that everybody's got infected in them so deeply. They keep us coming back week after week, breakage after breakage, because we got to get more. Now, ultimately, my my legend would be my grandfather, Alan Cross, and uh, and he's actually one person who I never actually saw pull because the the last couple times he pulled in his life, I was too young to remember. So my earliest remembering of uh, of truck and tractor pulling goes goes to when I was four or five years old, and it was at the Burbell Lions Field, sitting on uh, on an old wagon gear trailer pulled by Kevin Safransky. And uh, I'd be sitting there with my mom, and I'd be watching my dad go down the track on our 806 gas tractor, which is now an 806 diesel tractor, and uh, and just just sitting there and and thinking, hey, you know that's my dad out there. And when, when you're a little kid seeing your dad out in front of all that big crowd of people doing something, it w- it was amazing, and uh, and it made me always want to be a part of it. And then you know, eventually. Uh, you know, a long time ago, there wasn't any age restrictions, but uh, for me, there was age restrictions. So I couldn't, I couldn't legally pull a tractor until I was thirteen or fourteen, and uh, and my first pulling experience was on a, an international five hundred six, which I just sold this year. <laughs> Phil Harmon five sixty. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You, I've had a few f- drinks. I've had a few drinks here. Not at sidetracked. We are a very alcohol-prone mm-hmm. show. Yes, we are. <laughs> Surprised my tractors aren't alcohol-blown. You drank a lot. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so my first experience, International 560, which uh, which was which was built to be a puller. It, it was stripped right down. At, at, uh, and uh, I pulled it at Burville. I pulled it at Armada. I pulled it at Goodles a few times. And it was a strong-running tractor for what it was. And, uh, and that's why Harmons wanted to buy it, because... We're the only people who ever beat them. <laughs> so eventually they bought it from us. So but, uh, if you can't beat them, buy them. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I gave in because uh, I got too busy. But uh, ultimately, my legends and heroes, it goes down to my grandfather who started it all and, and my dad and my uncle who, who were always pulling something. And, and I just always remember watching them. And, uh, and outside of the family, I would I would give a huge tip of my hat to Ed Shoebridge because... Uh, He's a, my neighbor, and uh, he just he does some amazing things. Just out of that little barn he's got behind his house, you'd never think nothing of it. But I some of the some of the top running three hundred one exactly and naturally aspirated engines. Some some of the biggest horsepower and and some of the best running and and power to ground tractors you would ever see this side of the United States are coming out of this little barn in the middle of nowhere and. Uh, my hat really is off to Ed Shoebridge. He's he's a great guy. Yeah, I mean, okay, I got to ask you this question. We got time to spare. When are you going to get a seat in the double cross your Uncle Mike and your dad Edgar run? I don't know. I've asked about that a couple of times, but uh, I don't know. I mean, anytime somebody's missing, uh, one of them just steps up to pull both classes. And yeah, I don't know. I've asked. I've asked. I know you got to be a itching to get in the seat of that Ford. It's a beautiful looking I... Ford. Uh, video I put up uh, earlier this week on the Sidetracked Facebook page, Sidetracked with Armstead and Poche. Make sure you get on there, like, and follow it. Got to give the plugs where we can, but uh, definitely a really cool tractor. Limited pro stock you know, at running the, the Southwestern Ontario tractor At pullers. the time, uh, I mean, they were one of the only, 
only Ford-based tractors out there. And and since they got going, there's there's been a few more I've seen pop up and really make a name for themselves. But you know, you're talking their their tractor was first built almost uh, almost ten years ago now. And and at the time, they were one of the first people to come out with that Genesis motor and, and really try to make a name for themselves. And and they've been doing a great job at it. I give hands off to my dad and my uncle. They're doing a great job. It's probably one of the coolest tractors out there. And for the longest time for me, the only time I saw it was Armada. And it was weird seeing a Ford roll in on 20.5s. Yeah. You know, and you yeah. know it's in the neighborhood, but you go, where where the hell is this tractor coming from? See, and and, and here's the thing. And it is, lives uh, a life over in Ontario. Over in Canada, right, right. And, uh, and here's the thing is that that for a long time they were a top contender in their class. They were always right there. I mean, they they won the points multiple years, and if they didn't win the points, they were second or third in points. And uh, for the most part, they went seven years without any major breakage. They pretty much ran a full season every year, and, and it wasn't even until this year um, since some of their competition really stepped up and started pushing the envelope that they had to push the envelope. And, and this year they have had some, some charger problems. They went through two turbos this year alone. And so and that's one of the videos I posted. I know, I know <laughs> yeah. your mom posted. Hey, I that go, video rough was, night for the cross boys. No, that video was straight from my own GoPro <laughs> yep. camera. And your mom was the first to well, the first to comment. Yeah. She goes, and hard on the wallet too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so they went seven or eight years, um, you know, relatively on no breakage and, and beautiful seasons. And then, and then they really had to push it and they started running the top of the line turbochargers, you know, really making, squeezing them horses out and boom, there goes that turbocharger. So, so, uh, they're learning what it like, what it's like to try to keep up with, with the Joneses really. Now, we haven't had a chance to really talk about you. Um, we got a few minutes here. You pull a truck, probably one of the most unique looking trucks you'll ever find. I love my truck. <laughs> yeah. God knows only you could love this truck. No, I, I, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a face only a father could love. <laughs> exactly. The Duramac. Oh, for those of you who don't know. And that's not me miss saying Duramax. No, it's Durham M-A-C-K. I guess he couldn't afford a real Mack truck, so he just built one. But See, everybody loves to make that you joke. You know, if that was one letter different, I'd probably be a little more in love with it. <laughs> you know, everybody makes that joke that I couldn't afford a Mack, so I built a Duramac. But really, I drive a Mack all the time. I've got one. That's why I built my truck the way it is. It's, oh, it's, uh, you just want to daily drive one. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's to uh, be able to, not no more, but... The, the truck is to pay homage to the big truck that makes the money to pay for it, right? You, you get what I mean? So uh, There'll be pictures up there. You pull. Let's talk about the class you run. You've been the I guy pioneered who got this the class. started. Pioneer for the class. Um, the Hot Street class over in, uh, in South southwestern Ontario. Ontario. They, uh, they've been running for years, and they are a beautiful organization and uh, super friendly. That is... That is one thing I'm going to say about uh, pulling over in Canada is is everybody is just so nice. And oh, you get a how's she going, eh, from everybody. It's a great oh, you, time. Oh, you can go and beat somebody, and then you're going to turn around, and that person's going to shake your hand and ask, how's it going? They love you They'll over there. They'll buy you a double-double at Timmy Ho's. And- Some poutine. <laughs> but uh, but I did. I pioneered a class over there. It's called uh, Street Modified Diesel Class, 8,000 pound, and... Uh, 
I mean, there aren't too many restrictions on it. There's a little bit of safety equipment required. You got to have uh, drive shaft hoops and uh, uh, well, air, air guillotines are a requirement starting next year. They're not quite required yet. But um, turbocharger wise, you're allowed to run any modified stock charger or you can drop in a Borg Warner S366 or equivalent off-brand. So uh, it's it's actually a relatively cheap class to get into. Hold on. Did you just say we're allowed a stock-appearing charger? I did. I did. But in the rules, it says stock-appearing up to 63.5. Very good. So you're right so, up to a 2.5 charger. So you can run stock-appearing up to 63.5 millimeter or... You can drop in a Borg Warner S three sixty six charger, and Which ultimately really helps the LB seven guys like you mm-hmm. or the Cummins guys who did not have a VGG turbo. Correct from the get. Ultimately, uh, horsepower wise, if you can crack seven hundred horsepower in this class, you're doing pretty good. And uh, so it's a relatively cheap class to get into. I mean, for Duramax guys. You're either going to spend a little bit of money on a turbocharger or you're going to spend a little bit of money on a uh, on a pedestal and piping setup to run uh, a Borg Warner style charger. But uh, the the reason I went with a Borg Warner charger ultimately is is it's a little bit of money up front. It costs two grand probably to get yourself set up with a Borg Warner charger. But ultimately, if I blew my charger up one season, it's a $600 charger, and I've got a brand new one out of the box. Well, not only that, for you running an LB7 right from the get, you did not have a VGG turbo like an LLY or an LBZ later on, or all the way up to the LMLs now. So that was an upgrade for you to go to an S360. S360 base. Yep. 300 so, series base. So, I mean, ultimately, uh, it was a little bit of an investment up front. Like I said, it, it was uh, $1,500 to, to $2,000 total just to get set up to run a charger. But instead of spending $1,500 on a charger, I've got a $600 charger. So, if my charger blows up or, or you know, poops the bearings out, $500, I got a brand new charger. I'm not spending two to three grand on a competitive charger. It's it's a relatively cheap class to get into, and, and it's, it's an easy class. class. It is super fun. And, I mean, one thing, I know we're running short on time here, but, you know, Ed Schubert and I were talking about this. You go over to Canada, a pulling diesel truck is an oddity. Oh, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a celebrity over there, and, and I don't even mean to toot my horn there because I'm one of the only no, guys doing right. it. No, you're right. There's you and Nick Kulak. Got to give a shout-out to Nick. But over there, trucks are for farm. That's right? It. Nobody's doing, like, over here stateside where they're doing the performance mods for a daily driver. So really cool class, great club to run with. I know we're going to hear more later on involving – the Southwestern Ontario Tractor Pullers. I'm hoping to get one of the Rogers boys on oh, yeah. for a later segment of Hookers and Blow to talk about uh, a form of induction. I'm not going to give it away, but yeah, right. they they ran for a while. They moved. They moved on since. You got to talk about that uh, mid '80s Chevy body one they got. Oh yes, <laughs> but uh, with that, we are out of time. Thank you, Carl Cross, for coming in and lending a hand here tonight. No, thank you, listeners, for letting me come and be in your ears because uh, this is one place I'd like to be. This I know it was a last-minute deal, and I really appreciate you uh, changing your plans to come on with you. Hopefully, Charles will have changed his uh, 
issue that he has. So he couldn't make it. Uh, Maybe he'll figure get his better, tampon buddy. out. Yeah, hopefully you get better, buddy. I know you aren't feeling well. so uh, I wish the best to you, Charles. With that, uh, make sure you listen Sidetrack April 2nd and 3rd. We are going to be all weekend on the Pulling Radio Network. All weekend. All sidetracked. All our previous episodes up until now. And I believe next week's episode will be on also. So make sure you listen. Also, the other sh- shows, make sure you listen to Ray Taluki and Adam Drott with the full pull. Um, behind the hauler um, with Mr. Uh, Dave Foltz. Um, Jesse Dawson with uh, Kentucky Pulling N- News. Um, Jamie w- out of Arizona with uh, Mini Pulling. Um James Schultz, Beer Money Pulling Team. Everybody knows him. Beer Money Pulling. With, yep, with Let's Grow Pulling. I mean, and also returning here in a couple weeks, the show before us, here 7 p.m. on Thursdays, the Godfather, Mr. Eric Pruitt with Throwback Thursdays. And make sure you stay tuned every week, Thursdays, 8 p.m. on Pulling Radio Network, sidetracked every week. Good night. In good day, my name's Armstead. And this is Cross, Carl Cross, and I am checking out.